Warning. The following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. This is Jan Scott Frazier, and you're listening to Anime World Order. Come visit my website at www.janscottfraser.com and come to more cons. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to episode 10 of Anime World Order. The date is March 7th. I am Clarissa Graffio. And with me, as always, are... Gerald. And I am Daryl Surratt, the leader. Internet. Yeah, whatever. That's what right. we would let him think. <laughs> well, no, look, we have a Frapper map now, and the Frapper map clearly shows that I'm the leader. I think that it's very clear that, you know, it's the quiet one in the background that always runs the show. That's me! No, 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 the woman's the one that always runs things. No, no, I strongly suspect that Clarissa has a switchblade dick, and so I wasn't sure if she was really a woman. There aren't really girls allowed on the internet. But yeah, that's that's been pretty much a rule. Hasn't it, it is true. I mean, girls can have their internet, too, their, their own computer. It's just it's an iron, an ironing board. I don't know, they man. click if on it and get steam. If, if there are no girls on the internet, then where is my penis? It's I'm hidden. It only, it only, like, springs out when needed. <laughs> so I yeah. think it must be defective. It's no, no, that's the not showing up. That's the top of the line model. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah, this uh, the frapper map on the. Where website. is the frapper map again? It's on the website. Well, <laughs> what is the website? I wonder. <laughs> Could it be www.animeworldorder.com? What a strange and unintuitive website name. I know we should change that, huh? Yeah. Go there and go to the Frapper map and come on, people, you need to vote for me because Daryl's winning. Daryl can't win because he's a jerk. I am highly respected. <laughs> a highly respected jerk. You're respected on something awful, which doesn't count for anything. <laughs> they don't respect <laughs> And if you want to tell us how much you love us or how much you hate us or how much, you know, we suck for not talking about whatever you think we should be talking about or whatever, you can email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com or you can call us at 206-666-4AWO or 206-666-4296 for those of you who don't know the alphabet. Let's kick this off, I guess, with responding to some listener mail. Alright, I've got one. This one is from John Powell. He writes, once again... Just wanted to drop you guys a line and say I pretty much enjoy your podcast. Is that a compliment? You know, he actually wrote in before and said, like, oh, you really liked it. Now now we're down to pretty much enjoy. So eventually the next email will be I hate you guys. Yeah. Where did we go wrong? Uh, I think it's this part. Your vast knowledge of the subject, <laughs> intermittent ranting, and an incredible amount of inside jokes, great on my nerves. Oh. But other than that, you guys offer a great show, and I continue listening. Just to learn more about the quote-unquote good kinds of anime. <laughs> Kazuo Koike's works. Yeah. Like Mad Bull. Mad Bull. We'll be we're joking everybody. Oh, God, we're joking the world. When we get Mike Tool on the show, he's insisted that that's the time when we talk about Odin. All right, so we're waiting for Mike Tool for that. That All is right. correct. Oh, dear. 
Watch it, folks. Yeah. Odin is is really something to prepare for. And John Odin continues. is a classic, man. Don't. <laughs> Show this in a room of people, and they will all be on the floor in pain. No, they'll all fall asleep. It's a gar- It's actually yeah. considered a legal sleep aid in 49 states. Sorry, Tennessee. Yeah, John continues. I really wanted to make a suggestion that I personally would really like to see from you guys. Maybe a list. I know they are impossible to come up with, as they're is so related to your own personal opinions and all. A list of your favorite anime, or maybe a must-watch list of maybe 10 or 15 titles that would be mandatory viewing for any legitimate fan. I appreciate your opinions and effort to go into the podcast, and would really like to hear from each of you which anime titles you really enjoy. Thanks in advance, and best wishes, John. Thanks again for the email, John. It's a really good idea you've put forth about the mandatory viewing for any legitimate fan thing, but... Although legitimate fan, we would never phrase it that way because it sounds too snooty. But <laughs> but yeah, it's mandatory viewing is probably a better thing. Mm. The thing is, it's so subjective, we could probably spend an entire segment yeah. on it. I don't know if it would only be 10 or 15. I think it would probably be a lot more than that. Really? Maybe. I think I can probably mm. get it down to 15 titles that I would yeah. say everyone should watch. I could pare Maybe. it down. I could probably do it. But it takes some time, and all of us are going to disagree on yeah, what the 10 things are. Yeah. yeah. That's, right. the, that's the trouble there. If all of us are still alive at the end of it, we'll get back to you with the results. And this next email comes to us from Alexander Strange, and he writes, I explain Lane, and basically he says, trying to explain something as intentionally vague as Lane is a really bad idea. <laughs> but since Gerald said he didn't get it, I'll try anyway. It goes something like this, and then he gives us an explanation of the ending of Lane, and notes it doesn't really make quite as much sense as the alternate ending to Lane, which happened in the not-very-exciting PlayStation game that nobody outside Japan ever played and was much darker. And he gives a picture of that, and if you want to see the alternate ending to Lane, you can go to tinyurl.com slash n6sh6, and then you can see Lane took a cue from, I don't know, Ralph Dibney or something like that. But thanks for the email, Alexander. He also includes a website devoted to explaining Lane called Thought Experiments Lane, and the website for that is tinyurl.com slash p6hxx. Thanks, Alexander, once again, for pointing us out in the right direction. And speaking of that, this one is with regards to the Naruto manga question that was asked way back in show number seven. Apparently, we completely missed the point of the question. And so Jonathan Slater writes, Seems that a few of you hosts are behind in not only the anime, but the manga as well, for, for Naruto, anyway. To answer the question of the fan who asked, what do you think of the Naruto American scanlation and the direction into which it's heading? The Naruto USA manga adaptation of the Japanese manga is indeed heading on a downward spiral that plummets so far into the ground, Satan doesn't even want to accept it. The translations are utterly god-awful. For example, the translation into which they use for many of the ninja arts, the jutsus, are not even nearly as close on as they should be. And basically what he means is that the scan translations are now starting to use the American dub translations of the attacks. Mm. And it's apparently not the 100% accurate translations. And the result is that all the kids watching it are shouting out the crappy American translations as opposed to the other ones. Personally, I think that this is kind of problematic. Obviously, when you do a translation... Things have to be translated into English, but I'm of the opinion that technique names should be left in the Japanese. To use an example, when Viz released Fist of the North Star years and years and years ago, they translated all the technique names into English, and 
sounds kind of dumb. And I think with as many kids being fans of Dragon Ball Z and Kenshin and stuff like that, with the Japanese attack names intact, at least I think, yeah, Kenshin was intact. Did any of you guys watch? Nobody else watched Kenshin. Anyway. Nope, not me. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, I just want to make sure. I think they can handle the Japanese attack names. And Naruto, it's a show about ninjas. Come on, ninjas are Japanese. Yeah, Doesn't everyone hurt. knows that, I mean. It wouldn't hurt for the attacks to be Japanese named. And I think the best of both worlds is the way to use Fist of the North Star again. Both the subtitled release as well as the manga release, like the Master Edition re-release, which nobody bought. The way they handled it was the dialogue bubble would be like the Japanese attack, and then there'd be a little footnote with the English translation of the attack. I think that's the best way to do it. I think so, too. And yeah. he, he finishes up and says, for those of you who are behind in the manga and anime of Naruto, you can check out our website at kishimotofanclub.deviantart.com. They have links that have a lot of information into the show. As for the filler episodes of Naruto, please don't bitch that it's a waste of space and time. Wait a second. If it's filler, by definition, it's filling space and time. It's essentially not really significantly advancing the plot or anything like that. It's just... Just there to get those episodes up. Yeah, it's filler. Although he notes, if you really take some time and watch it and comprehend it all, it really clues into the growing up of Naruto and the others in the show and shows how they gain new techniques. At that point, I would say it's not actually filler. Yeah, then that's actually... something of substance. But filler is just... Total throwaway. Yeah, you can throw it away, you can cut it out and not miss a beat. So yeah. Keep up the great work with Anime World Order. We love hearing your show here in Seattle. And I'll definitely be promoting your radio show 100% free at SoccerCon here in Seattle when March rolls around. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Word of mouth publicity is by far the best publicity you can have. Keep talking about us. It's the beginning of the month, so we have to beg for the whole vote for us at Podcast Alley, Podcast Pickle, or whatever. But eh, I don't want to. Oh, we don't want to do that crap. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, what other emails we got? This is unique. We've got three emails from outside of America. And this one is from Dorna. Dorna writes, Hi, AWO. My name is Dorna. I live in Australia. I came upon your podcast by accident and have since fallen in love with the show. I think the Ghost in the Shell series is crap. It's just too boring to watch, but the two movies are great. I tried watching the first episode, but I felt I was being tortured. Oh, and same goes for Gungrave. I recently bought Full Metal Alchemist on DVD, and I think it's really good, except my older brother thinks that Al's voice is unbearable, but I beg to differ. I don't know if it's sad or not, but I really think that Sailor Moon was a really great anime series. Unfortunately, Australia does not have the DVDs. Well, they do, but they only have seasons one and two. It goes on to say, I got into the whole anime thing when I came to Australia and started watching Fox Kids and Sailor Moon, which was the first anime I watched. And this was like five years ago. I used to live in a gay country called Iran. They made that song about Iran, that Flock of Seagulls one. Iran, Iran so far. Oh, never mind. Ha ha ha. Oh, dear. Since then, I've become an anime freak, and to this day, I own 900 anime DVDs, and they aren't burned copies. My favorite show so far is Bleach. I wonder if the um, Sailor Moon seasons he's talking about are the new ADV DVDs. Oh, I actually don't know. Um, I know that they've got Madman in Australia, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, if you're in Australia... Hopefully it's the new the ADV show, DVD, yeah. Yeah, Dorna, get back to us with whether or not those Sailor Moon DVDs that you're talking about are, in fact, Madman or Slash, the Australian ADV, or if there's the Deke dubs. On with that subject of people outside of the United States, we've got another one from Hiro Yui, who is called... Real name. Yeah, I suppose that's his real name. Mission accepted. 
And here are you, he says. Hi, I just listened to your first podcast after searching for anime soundtracks on iTunes. Previous I'm unsure if any of you guys have been to the UK before, but the state on anime here compared to the US is shocking. The only anime shown is through satellite TV, and that mostly consists of Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, and Pokemon. We used to get shows like Gundam Wing, Cowboy Bebop, Outlaw Star, and Big O on Toonami, and Gasaraki, Evangelion, and Nadesco, and Blue Gender on Sci-Fi Channel, but that soon stopped. The main distributor is Manga Entertainment, thanks to feature... Manga! <laughs> ...and popular series such as Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. However, anime is steadily increasing, with major chains such as HMV and Virgin stocking both anime and manga, totally unheard of three years ago. There have been documentaries on anime, and thanks to one of the UK's most popular TV presenters being a fan of Japanese culture, Jonathan Ross, we're even getting our own anime-slash-manga magazine called Neomag, partly put together by Jonathan Clementis. As good as all this sounds, we are still light years behind you guys. I have to import most of my DVDs from the US for shows such as FLCL, Gundam Seed, and DBZ. Sure, here and there we get a few exclusives such as the English dub of Ghost in the Shell Innocence, Pat Labor 1 and 2 box set, and additional audio commentaries on the major releases by Jonathan Clementis, but it's still not enough. It sometimes feels like hard work being a fan. Thank goodness for Play.com and DVDBoxOffice.com for sh free shipping worldwide. Mm. Jonathan Ross is so awesome. If you don't know who Jonathan Ross is, he was the host of the BBC miniseries Japanorama. Mm -hmm. That and was oh, a yeah, really, yeah. really cool show. He got to interview Miyazaki and Koike and mm -hmm. all those like really cool people. He got to go golfing with Koike. He got to get married at Hello Kitty Pearl Land. Oh, yeah. man, sweet. Uh, it's such a good miniseries, <laughs> and they're making a second one, and I think Patrick Macius has some involvement <laughs> with the oh, second nice. upcoming BBC <laughs> Japanorama series. Now, there's a lot that I'm wondering about that, because I was pretty sure that there was another UK anime magazine that had been out for some years before that was done by Helen McCarthy and Jonathan Clementes. Is it um, Clementes or Clements? Clements. That's probably Clements. There's That's, no E, yeah. I know that... The anime scene in Britain has been kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, you guys have got ADV UK, which I believe is in Wales. I believe that you're just now getting the Neon Genesis Evangelion Platinum Edition release. Mm -hmm. You guys seem to really have a hard time there. Yeah, it's interesting because one of the comments I hear a lot when you know they talk about fan subbing groups stopping a, a series because it's licensed is a lot of people say, you know, hey, I live in England or I live in, you know, some other country in Europe or South America or whatever and I speak English. This uh, title isn't licensed where I'm at and I have to pay international shipping and all of this to import it from America and pay, you know, so much money. He did give two websites that give free shipping. Right. I can buy stuff from Japan, from Yes Asia and get free shipping, but the stuff on Yes Asia is marked up in price. So, you know, should they have to import it? Like, should they have to be obligated? Is it fair to say, okay, since America has it, you have to stop fan subbing for everyone else, too? Well, and see, this know. is, uh, we got another email from Samuel from Sweden, who actually goes on, and he has a very long, very interesting email, and he saw, says that he's got around 1,400 episodes of anime from 65 series, all of which that he has downloaded. And he doesn't none of which single... he has watched. Yeah, probably, I don't yeah. know, it's just that's <laughs> my problem. It's, I don't think he's yeah. you, Daryl. Well, yeah, yeah, well, no one else is. <laughs> and he says, I've yet to own a legal copy of anime, and there are a few reasons of it. Availability is one. 
What's available in places I bothered to check for purposes of this email accounts to a few Australian imports, like Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop, for the equivalent of about $6 an episode. This also requires me to own a region-free DVD player, which in fact, like many I do, but that's beside the point. Even so, my only option for purchasing legal anime is buying the American DVDs, which means more than half of the purchase price that doesn't consist of shipping and excess of taxation, 25%, welcome to communist Sweden, is paying for the product. He says communist. (laughs) Communists wouldn't support a bikini team. (laughs) Sorry, that's all we know about Sweden. (laughs) Ignorant Americans. Sweden, land of socialism and hot women. (laughs) At this point, I'd like to point out that, again, almost nothing in Sweden is dubbed, ever. That's in reference to some uh, Sailor Moon shows that he was talking about before. I mean, I guess this is sort of a rough area here. I guess my opinions are going to be kind of different than my other two co-hosts, but no one is really obliged to have any anime. I see your points in that you've got this awkward situation, but if you like something good enough and it's really a really good show, I guess, in my opinion, the obligation is to buy it. Well, okay, let me ask you, though, Gerald. For example, I know that there are plenty of old shows that aren't released here that you have fan subs or even HK DVDs of. Right. Um, If those shows never get released here, would you say that you're obligated to pay $50 a disc for two episodes a disc and buy, or whatever, the Japanese releases and import the Japanese DVDs? I probably would be. And in fact, the only reason that I haven't bought the box sets of uh, Future Police Urashiman, the only release of Future Police Urashiman I've got is an HK box set, is because Future Police Urashiman is a show that was only released in two DVD box sets, which are currently out of print and I can't buy. What about with regards to things like fan subs? Like, I know you guys are watching Combattler V right now. Would you... Rather than say, oh, instead of downloading the fan subs, you should pay however much money for the Region 2 box set that isn't going to be subtitled in English because, hey, that's what you got to do. Combattler V is not good enough to be bought. And you know that <laughs> after having watched it. Yes. That's, yeah, it's I mean, the same I, idea with these guys out in Sweden and guys yeah. out in Europe and stuff like that. They haven't got the legitimate means there. They can't go to the mm-hmm. store and buy this stuff. And the only way they can possibly know, hmm is this show worth owning or not, is to download it and see for themselves. Right. right, I understand that completely. And then if it's a show that's really good and is worth owning, then the question is, do you spend that money on getting those American DVDs? Because those are probably the cheapest versions that you can get. Well, even if you did get the American DVDs, I mean, you're still skirting legality because of the whole getting around the DVD region encoding thing. Let's back up. Suppose there are no American DVDs. Suppose it's just a Japanese-only release, and there's just fan subs of it. Or it's a case where, I don't know, the release is weird. Like, let's say Bandai's Mobile Suit Gundam TV series release that was dub-only, or something like that. Do you still go for it then, even after you've watched the whole show? I mean, in my case, I don't... watch shows, and then if I buy the DVD, the DVD goes on the rack and is never watched ever. It's just, oh, well, I bought the DVD there. I don't believe at all in supporting a bad release, period. I mean, I love Airmaster, and I won't buy those DVDs. Yeah. I just don't believe that that's a good release, and I think that that's, in my opinion, is a legitimate excuse. But I think that if it's a good release, if it's 
within some sort of reasonable price, and the problem is saying that everybody's got a different definition of what a reasonable price is, then I think that that's perfectly fair. I think it is such a messy issue because on the one hand, yeah, okay, you know, you should buy the official things so that the money goes back to the creators and so they have incentive to, you know, make more stuff because they're not starving to death. We talk a lot about people's obligations to the companies, but I think a lot of people forget that, you know, companies should have obligations to the customers as well. Well, this is, of course, an interesting issue, and mm -hmm. I think that we'd really like to get more emails from people outside of America because we really don't have as great a yeah. perspective on it. Because, I mean, in America, we're sort of spoiled with how much stuff that we get here. Right. Yeah, we get too much stuff. Our problem now is that everything comes out here, including the really bad things. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot of you guys over in Europe are probably where we were, where we were like 10, 15 years ago. Exactly. Definitely, yeah. So get back to us. We are really interested in hearing what your situations are. That guy mentioned that Swedish dub of, of Sailor Moon, which should actually be kind of curious to hear. And if anybody else has any dubs of various anime in their own languages that you think are pretty send hilarious. Send samples. Yeah, send samples, because we love to hear that. Yeah, anybody listening in Italy, we'd like to hear from you, too, because you guys get a lot of anime. Italians, they steal our Arctic Circle candy and get all the good anime and manga <laughs> translations. They've got Cyber Blue in Italy. I want Cyber Blue, damn it. Probably. Curse you, Italy. I also hear that France has got an anime channel, but I haven't confirmed this, so if anyone is in France, uh, we'd like to know about this. Dude, let's make a promo. About what? That we're a talk show for geeks? We talk about anime, too. Well, that's true. We do news and reviews. And gadgets and toys, too. And guests! We have kick-ass guests! We're not geek radio. We're a talk radio for geeks! Yeah! Otakugeneration.net. Catch us every Wednesday for news, reviews, and so much more for the otaku inside you. Wait, did you say Greek radio? Uh, oh, geeks. <laughs> that makes more sense. We have another email from Zachary Alexander. And he says, this is the 15-year-old Zach Alexander from the previous two episodes of AWO. I still love the show, and thanks for reading my emails and answering my questions. I had another couple of questions, though, and was hoping you guys could answer them. Number one, what is the manga Death Note about, and is it any good? Well, oh boy. I was thinking about doing a segment about this, but uh, I guess I'll kind of cover it in brief here. The 20 minutes of Clarissa talking about Death Note that used to be here have been removed. Please tune in in later editions of AWO to find out what she thinks about Death Note. Number two, he asks, uh, can you extend on Gravitation, specifically the manga from last week's episode? I don't know much about it, but it looks like a good manga that I might want to buy. For Gravitation, in terms of the manga being different from the animated series, most of the, the difference is that the manga is just longer. And so there's a lot of stuff in the manga that never made it into the TV series. You know, things like Where they get sucked luck. into the cartoon dimension and the evil record producer has... Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no. Oh, dear. You're, you're thinking of a different show. No, no. I'm thinking of <laughs> the, the same real show. show. The same show. <laughs> I'm not mistaken. No, no, that's not gravitation. <laughs> yeah, it is. Guys kiss, and then they get sucked <laughs> into the cartoon world. And... <laughs> All right, anyway. There's a bunch of other stuff that kind of got skimmed out. There are a few characters that never made it into the TV anime, or like only made it in really briefly. Like, Shuichi's sister is only very briefly in the OAVs. Hero's brother never made it into the TV series. Uh, Kay's wife and his kid never made it into the TV series. 
Um, so there's a lot more material, and some of the things happen a little differently. Why do you suppose they were cut out from the TV series? They take... Well, the TV series was only like 13 episodes. Okay, it so wasn't I like think... they looked at them and said, not gay enough, and then they got no. the axe. No, no, no. I think and it Suichi's was just sister a... was played by Hiromi Tsuru, too, so I was, I wanted to see No, no, I that. think you're thinking of, yeah, I think you're thinking of Yuki's sister. Okay. Mika. But, um... <laughs> Thoughtbird. Anyway, and uh, Murakami's artwork is also, uh... The early books especially, it looks very different from the character designs in the television show. The books later on in the manga look closer to the character designs from the, the anime. It's still not exactly the same. It's definitely a good series. If you're into romances, if you're into kind of silly slapstick comedy, go ahead and check it out. He also asked if we could do a section on Ghost in the Shell, which I'm... I guess we probably should at some point. Hasn't there been about two or three emails that we've responded to talking about yeah. Ghost in the Shell? People keep asking for more, so maybe we should do an episode or something. Or we might have to refer to those people who have the, the master's degrees in theology. And yeah. <laughs> I made a statement on the last episode saying that no one has actually finished reading Orion. We actually got some feedback on that, and apparently uh, two people have actually read it. And one has a master's degree in theology, and the other one goes to MIT. So apparently that's the caliber of that you have to be in order to friggin' understand that book. Yeah, we're, t- we're too dumb for that, so I have to leave it to them. Zach closes with a P.S. What the fuck? Thanks for the Cowboy Bebop spoiler. Now the show will suck to watch. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks a lot. No, but seriously, why? Uh, <laughs> um, mission accomplished. Oh, God. No, I think he's joking. <laughs> I, I, I hope, hope he's so. joking. There's one more email I want to read. This one is from James in Jacksonville, and the subject of this is concerning the appreciation of prior work having significance to the fan community and Daryl's quest for the truth. If you couldn't tell from the overwrought title, I have just finished watching the Genshiken anime, but not the dub! (laughs) Throughout the show, they had many conversations about shows from before the characters were even born, and were often quite knowledgeable about them. For instance, I had no idea about the proposed Oshii Lupin the Third movie. Also, there's that scene where they find the fanzines from 1987 in their club office and actually recognize the shows on the cover. If this can be considered an accurate depiction of the Japanese otaku, then why is it that a lot of American fans, many of whom are, in fact, around the same age as the Genshin characters, have such a hard time with this whole watching, reading things that came before they were around? Take my 13-year-old brother, for example. He loves Naruto, but refuses to watch Fist of the North Star, the greatest show ever, because it looks old. It occurs with video games, too. I can't get my brother to play the Fallout games, either, in spite of the indisputable scientific fact that they are the best RPGs ever, because they aren't 3D. I have a theory that this sort of behavior may be partially explained by a lack of appreciation of history in general. History is one of those subjects in school where students say, Why do we have to learn this? It's not like I'm going to need to know this when I become a... Insert soul-sucking occupation here. I think it would be another interesting experiment in the quest for the truth to probe for the level of interest in older anime, older being up for debate, and then ask about their interest in history in general as a follow-up to that. That's a really good idea, James. You should do that when you record at cons later. There was a poll taken by a Japanese newspaper two years ago or more, and uh, they actually asked the Japanese public what... Japanese animation, do you think that Americans should watch? And what was really interesting was that literally every person said, Ashtono Joe, or Ace One Arai, 
Astronaut Joe is Tomorrow's Joe, Ace One Arise, Aim for the Ace, which is a tennis show. Astronaut yeah. Joe is about boxing. And both um, of them are by Osamu Jizaki, who we yes, can't they are. Yes. escape and, from. And they would name a whole lot of these really old shows. Which, Doraemon. Um, Doraemon was named, I yeah. think. Someone actually said Yurotsukadoji, which was crazy. But, um, <laughs> We've seen that one. <laughs> but uh, it seems to me like more anime fans are more well-versed in the history of Hogan's Heroes old TV shows than they are in old anime just because they don't really have the access to it. I am willing to bet that if I were to ask people what's Hogan's Heroes at anime conventions... They wouldn't know. No. Okay, Um, then maybe I should say, like, Cheers... Because that's even you know, that. 15 years even old. Even that. I, no. I think Cheers. Like, I think especially if you're, if you're asking like the 15 year old, you know, 16 year old fa- like fans, uh, they're probably not. I think know. that it's more likely that they that would is. know something like that than they would I mean, know like, what Ashtonov Joe. On 4chan, like the other day, there was a thread, and somebody mentioned something that that Aha song take on me, and somebody said, "Oh, well, that's maybe before a lot of people's time." And somebody was like, "No way, that was that song from that episode of Family Guy the other night, wasn't it?" That's what they know it from, is because they use it in an episode of Family Guy. But where would they see um, that music video nowadays? VH1. <laughs> uh, how many kids watch VH1? I don't know. But still, I mean, there are radio stations that play that song. Yeah, there's there are plenty of radio stations. stations that play 80s music. I think he's got a good point about history in general. Yeah, a lot of people just don't care. Like, it's one of the subjects that most people... Just like, oh, this is stupid, or oh, this is boring. I kind of want to blame the internet in some sense, in that everything is so fast yeah. now. With the internet, yeah. things can be that with was so last month. General, yeah, with technology in general, like, technology changes so much. And on the internet, like things come up and they go away so fast that by comparison before, when something would come out like a book, it would take a long time before a book was considered to be old. Yeah, but, but on the like, internet, with everything moving so rapidly... Things Advent Children is old news at this yeah, point. Yeah, after a week, after a month, it's old now. So and I mean, this I, one even out on DVD in America. Yeah. I don't know. I'd love to hear from people whether you think people have similar attitudes where you're at or whether you think that the Internet is, has had a similar effect in your country, but I, I definitely see it here. And we have one voicemail message this week. Let's listen to that. Hi, guys. This is Lily in Orlando. I've met all of you quite a few times, but... I doubt you remember me. I'm the other half of Joey Snacks Pants. Anyway, I think your show is fantastic. I love listening to it. I loved your bit on Crying Freeman because I thought I was the only person that had read it, and most people look at me funny because I enjoyed it. Anyway, I look forward to more episodes, and hopefully I'll see you three this weekend. Bye. Hey, thanks, Lily. Thanks for the, the compliments about our show. Yeah, by this and weekend, I'll... she meant uh, Megacon, which was just this past weekend. Yeah. and Which we... I wasn't there. But... Yeah. Gerald These two were. clowns were. Yeah. That was also, I was on my quest to discover the truth. <laughs> Brace yourselves, folks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you want to leave us voicemail, once again, that number is 206-666-4AWO. Call us up and we'll, we'll, we'll play your stuff. And, you know, more of those discipline ad copy. We need those. As many as possible. In fact, we, we actually do have... It's your chance to be a star, people. We Come actually on. do have another submission... I was holding out on you guys. It's a surprise. I didn't mention it until the show started recording because I just wanted to spring it on you guys unawares and all that. Yay! And so here it goes. The creators of Bible Black Series, the best-selling S&M hentai anime series ever, are proud to give you discipline. A sex-filled, dreamy story of campus life where the gals are slutty 
and the scenery so <laughs> cock Original story with a plot that can harden the limpest dick. See a variety of sex scenes from raunchy, passionate, humorous to romantic. Takuro, our hero, is drowning in sex. Oh, God! All the sexy girls with huge tits are after his manhood. Then who can blame them? It's a throbbing monster that keeps growing when inside a girl's mouth and pussy. It can come again and again for God knows how many times. Superb animation quality and great character designs. The animation is so lifelike that you'd want to literally fuck the girls and touch them yourself. At St. Alcadia, you'll see lots of cosplays from pink nurses... Wait a minute. St. Alcadia? Oh, come on. There's no such saint. Maybe it's the good Catholic boy in me, but I can tell you that the closest saints, alphabetically, are the saints Arcadius. There were three of them. One of them was a Roman martyr, one was a French bishop, and one was a Spanish missionary who got murdered by vandals. So how the hell are we supposed to know which Saint Arcadius is featured in this uh, animated fuckfest? You see, this is the problem with Japanese animation these days. How can I suspend my disbelief for this raunchy hardcore pornography when they can't even do basic research? This anime sucks. And that one, uh, if you couldn't figure Mike it out, the, yes, that was the uh, incomparable Mike Tool. Uh, <laughs> cock busting <laughs> no I think the catholic history lesson about the saints was really if you want to learn more about your catholic saints go to saints.catholic.org <laughs> and you can see all the saints you want his name's Mike Tool. he has a website it's www.animejump.com go there read the reviews check out the message boards all that stuff it's really good things and we hope to have him on the show at some point, where we're going to talk about Odin, Photon, Space Sailor, Starlight, and life will be really good. Yes. So yeah, keep sending in your discipline, ad copy reviews. And I guess at this point in the show, it would be normally when we would go to the news, but since we don't want to be like every other podcast out there that just sits and reads every single line of news off of Anime News Network, we decided not to do that this time, because there really isn't anything worth talking about. So, there's going to be no news this week. What are you doing this week, Gerald? I'll be taking a look at the old, overlooked classic, Lensman. The, the Dub! Overlooked segment, and I'm going to be taking a look at an old classic from 1984 called, well, it was originally just called SF Shinseki Lensman, or the science fiction New Century Lensman, and I'll just refer to it as Lensman. But, uh, know the dub? Oh, I wasn't sure if you wanted it. I wasn't it. sure if you wanted it in there or not. I was trying to think, hmm, could it maybe be Neon Genesis Lensman? Or, I don't know. <laughs> Now, for a little bit of background on Lensman. Lensman was originally a series of books that were published from the 30s to the 50s, and they were written by a man named E.E. E. Doc Smith. And these were extremely influential books. They basically defined the space opera genre as yeah. we know it today. If you were to read through these today, you may see some parallels to things like Star Wars in them. Mm -hmm. I certainly did when I took a look at them. But uh, Lensman... That's basically the uh, the origin of the series. And 
there's been nothing ever done in any sort of film form up until 1984 when the Lensman anime movie was released in Japan. And this one basically took a couple of parts from, I believe, the second or third book and changed quite a number of details about the Lensman universe. Do you mean the second or third book chronologically or in publishing order? Chronologically. Okay. Because they weren't published in the order that they happened. Probably some from First Lensman and some from Galactic Patrol. Yeah. The very first book was called Triplanetary, and that was basically a history lesson. Now, what Lensman did was basically eliminated all boundaries for science fiction. Series Stories in Lensman can take place over 10,000, 100,000 years, and battles can take place over light years and galaxies. That had never really been done before. E.E. Doc Smith wrote them in such extremely big manners that really, in such a very big way, that uh, really that set the stage for, for such things as... Uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, but didn't the anime come out after Star Wars? Like, that's, a, yes. that's exactly it, and that's what is another one of my points, is the anime came out in 1984, and the last Star Wars movie came out in 1983. Mm-hmm. And the main character in a good portion of the Lensman series is a young boy named Kimball Kinnison. In the books, Kimball Kinnison was originally a graduate from this very prestigious galactic school. He was assigned a lens, and he became a lensman, and he was basically like some very prestigious military academy. Yeah, I mean, they, they are. They're like policemen or military officers. And, now, and in the anime, this obviously came out with very much a foresight of, well, we just got the last Star Wars movie last year. So mm-hmm. Kimball yeah. Kinnison is in this. But now He's Kimble Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no. He basically yeah. is. Yeah. And instead of Kimball Kinnison being a graduate from a prestigious military academy, he is a young boy who works on a farm on a different planet, and he's running running harvesters. And he wants to be a pilot. Yes. So this is definitely parallels to Luke Skywalker, which is kind of unfortunate, because probably Lensman influenced George Lucas, so it goes full circle here. There are actually some things that are taken directly from the book and the movie, but I'll get to those later. It's amazing that uh, they actually kept it a little bit. And the stuff that they kept was very unusual, too. Yeah. the Lensman movie was the first movie that was directed by Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Now, Yoshiaki Kawajiri is kind of the staple of Madhouse. He's basically what Americans know Madhouse most for. He went on to direct Wicked City and uh, Ninja, Ninja Scroll, Scroll, obviously, is yes. the big one. Yep. Ninja Scroll is the biggest thing he's known for here. Also, two segments from Animatrix. Mm-hmm. And, and if any of you remember films. Liquid Television on MTV... Yeah. From back in the early days, he did a segment called The Running Man. That was from Neo Tokyo. It was from Money Money Labyrinth Tales. Right. He's got a very distinctive style. Another one of his works was Cyber City Oedo, and that's mm-hmm. also very much in the same style. He's very much into the dark, violent works. Wicked City had, what, three rape scenes in it? One thing that I noticed about the Lensman movie... There's totally. a character named Clarissa... Yes. Well, I was, I was named after the character from the book, actually, because uh, my <laughs> well, parents are dorks. She's not even that good a character in the movie, so when I well, think of... Yeah. Since I've never read the book, I look at you now and think you're named after this really lame <laughs> damsel in distress. Yeah, she spends most of the time just screaming. And, yeah. you know, here's a sample of one of her finer moments. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that my name? Keep going. 
You can so do that, that, right, Clarissa? So is that my namesake getting uh, almost tentacle raped? Or? Yeah, by furry tentacles, too. Oh, it's not nice, just... Nice, yes. nice. Yeah. Isn't he doing that new Highlander anime? He is doing the new Highlander anime, right. exactly. Oh, God help us all. Uh, Ninja Scroll had, like, another two or three rape scenes in it. Yeah, my opinion of Kawajiri is that he's a good character designer, and he's good at doing action scenes, and that's it. Mm. And we should also note Vampire Under D. Bloodlust. That's, that's another, another one of his works. And, but yeah, uh, good character which designs, which he yeah. didn't do, but uh, good action sequences. Story, yeah. forget it. Yeah, pretty much. There were parts in this Lensman movie that I looked at, and literally, to me, it seemed like there were three times where there were going to be tentacle rapes. But uh, I guess that uh, he was just saving up for uh, what would be Wicked City another <laughs> two years later or a year later. Yeah. Um, How many scenes where someone nearly melted into the womb or nearly sprouted teeth from their vagina... Well, I didn't notice any of those. I think yeah, he saved all of that Yeah, I don't think that, that up. was in there. But I've went, gone on, and I haven't really talked anything about what the Lensman movie is about. I'll give a very quick overview, because it's uh, about an hour and 30 minutes long or so. The Lensman movie is it's basically the story of Kimball Kinnison, who is trying to leave his home planet, and suddenly this one gigantic uh, ship crash lands on the planet, and this one man he takes off, and suddenly he's given this lens. And this, what a lens is, is this, it's, it's a lens, and it goes into the, into the hand of the person who, who it belongs to. And apparently this lens has got some very important information, and there's this big space battle going on between the Adorians and the Arisians. And the Adorians are the bad guys, kind of, sort of. They're actually just really called efficient. And the Arisians are the good guys. And in between them is the boss cones. And the boss cones are kind of like the mafia in this world. The Boscones are probably the most evil types. In fact, as soon as this guy lands on the planet and gives Kimball Kinnison this lens, the Boscones come and blow up the planet. You know, they're, they're that evil. And basically the movie follows Kimball Kinnison as he tries to get this lens to the right people and what he goes through for it. That's a very, very quick summary of it. You should really try to find it for yourself. It's hard to find because this was an old streamline release. This was probably released in the very early 90s, late 80s, somewhere around there. It got a very short theatrical release, too, believe it or not. Take a listen to some sections that I've got from it. You'll hear some of the very old staple streamline voice actors. Kim? Hey, Kim, are you all right? Oh, sure. No thanks to your finely tuned equipment. Hey! <laughs> Hello. <sighs> You've grown up a lot since the last time I was out this way. So tell me the truth, Kim. What do you think of my ship? After all, it is your ticket to the planet Earth. It looks more like a ticket to the pearly gates. <laughs> you crack me up. God, I forgot how annoying Kim sounded. Yeah, the voices that you heard there are rather familiar to a lot of anyone who has watched a whole lot of the streamlined dubs. There's a lot of the Robotech talent in there. The the one talent there that you heard as Kimball Kinnison was Kerrigan Mahon, who uh, played Ringo in the original Techman Blade. He played Lieutenant Sean Phillips in Robotech, so he goes back. So there's a lot of annoying shithead characters. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was Rand in the new generation part of Robotech, right? I think so, yeah. yeah he's, he's... Another voice, which may again sound familiar, especially if you've seen the Ghost in the Shell movie. Kim, I'm sorry. Listen to me carefully. There's not much time. Fate has chosen you to carry out a great mission. The Eurasians yeah. have transformed you this into guy a landsman. In every stream it's a great responsibility, Kim. Yeah. Surrender to destiny, wherever it leads you. 
Yeah, I've heard this guy in so many things. Yeah, that's the good old Michael Reynolds, and he's been in everything. He started right at the beginning. He's yeah. been working with everyone. He worked with uh, Streamline. He's been in manga dubs. He was mm. in Ghost in the Shell. Old I can never remember that guy's actor. name. He's one of those guys that it's like he's everywhere, and I'm like, oh, I know that guy. That's that's that dude. I always I can't, uh, yeah, I always incorrectly say Mike Reynolds is the dude who's the voice of Roy Foker. Yeah, but mm. yeah, this is definitely him. So this this show kind of has a special place for me. It has got problems, yes, definitely. It is, and like Daryl was saying, it tries so hard to be Star Wars, and it really shouldn't be because it was so much more before Star Wars was. Yeah. One thing that Lensman does, and this is was sort of unique, and I guess we've got kind of a kind of a theme going here, is that one. It was one of the first anime to use a CG. Now. <laughs> Unlike Golgo 13, that just said, let's use CG at an entirely inappropriate moment out of nowhere for no particular reason, Lensman tries very hard to actually incorporate it into the show. Yeah, I don't remember the CG looking terribly out of place in Lensman, but it's, I do remember it being there. One, yeah. of the, one of the more unique uses of it was this one sequence towards the end where Kimball Kinnison is transported into this sort of alter dimension where he has to fight a lot of these... Probably really impressive back then, looking CG items like balls and things oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, I remember that scene. It, it seemed kind of random, but it was not as much as the thing in Golgo. Uh, it was interesting because the animators seemed to realize that the CG was being rendered at like 24 frames a second, so they then started to animate Kim at 24 frames a second. Let's refresh my memory. Was the CG and the animation on screen at the same time? That was the only time it was. It was that part where he was in an ultra dimension, and it kind of worked because it had a Tron feel to it. Okay. Where the CG yeah. kind of worked because they were in this sort of weird world. But they did a rather good job considering the technology that they had back then, and they used it pretty well. It wasn't just... Uh, I mean, the, the sequence towards the end is just sort of, hey, look what we can do with CG, but it's it, certainly not as bad as Golgo. And one of the parts that really does kind of annoy me about the movie, even though I still love the movie is the sequence, again, towards the latter third of the movie, where they decide to introduce this character who has got no place in the movie, was never in the books, and is just sort of there because every single 80s sci-fi show had to have a party scene at some point. And, oh, of course, God. there was has to like be... Was he, like, the sort of Han Solo-ish kind of dude? Like, no. alien thing? He was... Well, let's take a listen to this audio. All right. Boys and girls, this is the place to let your hair Oh God, that guy! Oh! Yeah, that scene was pretty painful wow. and totally unnecessary. Yeah, it's like DJ Ron up in your area. <laughs> and, and as you can hear, the music from that probably sounded really cool in 1984 mm. and probably had no way, no means of fitting into that, which is also strange because the rest of the music in the movie is also very different. The music for the movie was done by a group called the Alfie. So have was it like own. Michael Caine? And <laughs> <laughs> no. The Alfie have been around forever. They, in fact, did some music to touch and then they did mm -hmm. this, and then they disappeared for 15 years, and then they did the music to Salaryman Kintara out of nowhere. 
and I liked the music to it, even though it just never fit the show. It was a very jazzy sort of theme for a sci-fi show. Mm -hmm. I guess I should end this off by saying that this is one of these old streamlined titles. The license for this expired probably ten years ago. I found this on the internet in a very weird VHS uh, site somewhere, and I don't even remember where. And that's the only way you're ever going to see this movie. You're going to only find it on this old-fashioned VHS, and it's one of these old video comics streamlined VHSs, so it's even from the early days of streamline. Some people might remember Lensman that it was shown on Sci-Fi Channel back on Saturday Anime when the yeah. Sci-Fi Channel still showed I think that's how I saw it, actually. Mm -hmm. This movie was considered pretty successful in Japan, mm -hmm. and then they came out with a TV series afterwards. We have not gotten the TV series over here. Britain did. Britain got the first four episodes of it, and it was released there as Lensman, The Power of the Lens, I think. <laughs> I could be wrong. I don't know anything about the TV series. <laughs> uh, how many episodes did they do? Like, how long did the TV series run for, do you know? The TV series ran for 26 episodes. 26, and, um, okay. There's an excellent site out there, and it's the only site that I know of that is related to the Lensman anime, and it's called Space Shake a Lensman site. You can get to it by going to lensman.freeshell.org. And the guy is all about the Lensman movie, and he's got a couple of episodes of the TV series. He's looking for translators for the TV series. But go and check that out if you want to find out more about it. And so with that, yeah, Lensman, check it out. It's actually pretty cool. Alright, and that brings us to uh, my review of the manga Homunculus by uh, Yamamoto Hideo. Now, this is a pretty interesting series. It's going to be a challenge to, to describe this one. A short summary doesn't really do it justice. Homunculus is a series about a homeless guy who, uh, at first, you don't really know his name. Everyone just calls him Carboy. Because he lives in his car, and like the rest of the homeless people who live in those tents in the park. I don't know if anybody's ever seen those. Uh, You've ever seen Tokyo Godfathers? Yeah, Tokyo Godfathers. They tend to live in, in tents. A lot of them live in blue tents. But this guy stays in his car all the time, and he seems to be really crazy about his car, and he's always, you know, he freaks out if he can't keep gas in his car and whatnot. He has this thing where he's always got to be able to go driving in his car. And he's really good at figuring out if something's wrong with his car. He can just kind of, you know, lean his face against the steering wheel or against the hood and listen to it run and figure out pretty quickly what's wrong with it. But this guy is a little different from most of the other homeless people, not only in the fact that he lives in his car, but in the fact that he just seems to kind of hover halfway between the world that all the homeless people inhabit and the, the regular city where, you know, everyone else goes about their normal jobs and such. The park where all these homeless people hang out is right across the street from this really expensive hotel. And that's kind of a big point of the series, is this juxtaposition between, you know, the city with all these people who believe that they've got this amazing life and they've got all these conveniences and these homeless people who, you know, have no money and have no jobs and live in this park, but the question of who's really got the better existence. The main plot device comes in as he's bumming around in his car. This really weird-looking guy comes up to him one day and says, Hey, I've seen you around a lot here. 
I know you live in your car, and I know you go driving a lot, and I see that your your gas tank is almost empty, and somehow I doubt that you have a whole lot of money to go fill up your gas tank. And, and he says, well, I will pay you a whole bunch of money if in return you will let me perform this experimental medical procedure on you. This all Agreed. sounds so much like somebody I know who's listening to this podcast, guy who lives in his car and wants to have experimental oh medical procedures done. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy doesn't want to do it. In fact, at first he refuses, but after a while he decides that he really uh, does want the money. And the guy says, ah, it's no big deal. It's a procedure called trepanning. He says, trepanation? I, I, yes. <laughs> that's, oh, no. oh my god, that's exactly what my friend, he's into that too. He's never done it, but he, we talk about trepanation. <laughs> it's the story of... <laughs> well, tell him to, to read the manga and he'll find out what happens if he, he undergoes trepanation. In every age, there exists people whose duty is to inform and entertain the public. In our time, these people provide up-to-date news, reviews, and occasional guest spots. These people are known to the internet as podcasters. One such podcaster is... For the best in tokusatsu, anime, Asian pop culture, and a little bit of American geek culture, the place to be is at R5 Central, podcasting at its finest. Maybe. Check us out at r5central.blogspot.com or find us on iTunes. See you there. So the medical procedure that this guy wants to perform is called trepanation or trepanning. Basically, it involves drilling a hole into your skull. It's not like a lobotomy where you actually get into the brain. You actually only remove part of the skull. The theory that this guy wants to test is that by removing part of the skull and kind of opening up the brain, there's a concept that doing this will increase people's mental sensitivity and it may grant or enhance certain ESP capabilities. How do you keep, like, flies and stuff out of your well, brain? Well, they, they close the skin back up. Oh, okay. Because it seems like, oh, yeah, I'm just walking around with this pulsating brain in the center of my forehead or wherever the hole's drilled. Mm. And also, the, the bone will grow back after a while. I don't think very many people have undergone the procedure. No, well... It's probably, like, 20 half, people. But... If you've undergone the procedure, email us. Yes. <laughs> if you're capable of it. It's essential to doing the proper cosplay. <laughs> or this character. Yes. Right, right. So this guy says basically, all right, here's the deal. I'll pay you all this money. If you let me do this procedure, then for a couple weeks afterwards, I want to spend time with you and observe you and ask you questions to find out if this actually changed anything. Do you experience anything differently than before? So, first the guy says, no way, you're, you're a crazy freak, get away from me. But eventually, he ends up giving in, and he says, alright, fine, and he agrees to it. And they do the procedure, and the guy survives. And for the first couple days, the guy's talking to him, and he's like, oh, you know, are you noticing anything different? And he's doing all these different tests, and the guy's like, look, this, this is pointless, it's stupid, nothing is any different. It didn't do anything, and we're just wasting time. But a little while after that, when the guy covers his left eye and looks, he realizes that everyone around him, he starts seeing them as monsters. They look really strange, 
deformed or or inhuman in other ways, and each one looks different. Basically, what he comes to realize is that he's got the ability sort of to see people's psychological problems manifested physically. And without really intending to do it, he ends up kind of trying to help a couple of these people. He doesn't really set out to be a do-gooder, but he comes upon a couple of these people and and ends up in confrontations with them and through dealing with them, you know, eventually helps them out. Why do you suppose the manga title is homunculus? I was just going to ask that. I was actually uh, about to get to that. The reason that it's called homunculus is because most people probably recognize the term homunculus from Full Metal Alchemist, the alchemical usage of the term. But the usage here is a, a psychological usage. The homunculus is used to describe the distorted human figure drawn to reflect the relative sensory space our body parts occupy on the cerebral cortex. Um, oh, okay. Hmm. The lips, hands, feet, and sex organs are considerably more sensitive than other parts of the body, so the homunculus has grossly large lips, hands, and genitals. Well known in the field of neurology, this is also commonly called the little man inside the brain. And so if you so, drill a hole in your skull, the little man inside your brain can jump out. <laughs> <laughs> and there Fight are some off other, a thought bird There are some stick. other um, usages of homunculus in other related fields of psychology. But yeah, it's it's in reference to the, the distorted fashion in which he sees them. The things that are bothering them, the source of their neuroses, I suppose you could say, is like a, a little person inside them. And so it, it says that this deformity that he sees, this expression of their problem, is a homunculus. And see. that's why it's mm. it's called that. It's it's in reference to these uh the monsters that he sees them as similar to the distorted fashion in which they represent the sensory perception. It's this distorted form that represents their mental instability. Now, how much things. of the manga are you talking about here, up to the point where you can now see these, uh, see these things? It's near the end of Volume 1. Okay, be- so it's only okay. like five or six chapters in. Not like, you yeah. don't have to read three books or whatever, and then, oh, okay, this is why it's, it's called... Uh, where can you get this? It doesn't sound like it's licensed in the U.S. No, I I have yet to hear of it being licensed. It is being scanlated, so you can find it online. It's being done by uh, Band of the Hawks and Manga Screener. I think it's Tiff, a joint project. Laugh out loud. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this manga because I know we were talking with Patrick and we were talking about stuff that used to be about things and shoujo manga, you know, back in the 70s used to really be about society and about, you know, gender and all these things. And Homunculus is a title that really, I mean, yeah, on the surface, it's a crazy manga about, you know, a guy who lives in his car and he gets a hole drilled in his head and has sex with girls in his car. and With the hole in his head? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Koike. But, uh... Koike would manage Would have the, the trepidation yeah. being done while having sex. While having car. sex, Yeah. But yeah, this is actually a, a relatively new manga, right? It's not like it's from the 70s or any. No, yeah, like it's it's yeah. pretty recent. Japanese Volume 1 was in 2003. Okay. So this is, yeah, it's it's a very recent series. Do you know offhand what magazine this was published in? It's in Weekly Big Comic Spirits. So it's in a magazine for adult men. Yeah. So it's, it's Okay, that's interesting. I mean, just by looking at the manga and reading it, you can kind of tell. It sounded like it. Yeah, it doesn't really seem like the Shonen Jump series. formula no, no. at all. 
Well, neither did um, Yugo the Negotiator, but that pranked me. You know, you can see scans of this manga and see all the, you know, freaky monsters and stuff that the guy sees, and it's like, oh, you know, he sees freaky monsters, and he, you know, has sex with this chick in his car, and, and all of that, but really, it's, it's all about psychology, and it's, I think it deals a lot with some of the problems that have been going on in, in Japanese society that you hear about. I've seen a lot of things lately that seem to be um, doing that. There's a lot of things about pressure. Like, there's been a lot of things dealing with hikikomori lately and people that just can't deal with the, the pressure of, of living in Japanese society and withdraw. And this hasn't really specifically dealt with that. Yeah, well, got, yet, welcome to the NHK yeah, at a later date. But it's, it's very much about all of these people, I mean that he sees everywhere when he goes down the street. You know, it's like almost every single person that he sees has some kind of homunculus, and they're all different because they're all, you know, dealing with these people's individual problems. It's uh, it's definitely really interesting, and it's it's pretty creepy, Um, I have to say. Like, I, th- I have to say even more successful than a lot of horror things that I've seen it being pretty fucking terrifying. I was going to ask about if you knew offhand any other work that the author had done. He did the manga for Ichi the Killer. <laughs> and this sounds Which exactly is also like about Ichi a really well adjusted guy. Yeah, and uh, Voyeur's Inc. I know Voyeur's Inc., and Voyeur's Inc. is fantastic trash. I've, got all, I've read all of it. Fantastic trash. About a guy, they chase this one guy who's got a fetish for pouring cockroaches on a woman while they're having sex. Oh, wow. Well, you know, he did that uh, classic work of mastery. He also did Voyeur. So, this guy, Patrick Macius, brought up this guy. This guy does really, really fucking weird and really cool work. Yeah. Homunculus is not nearly as trashy as, uh, I guess, Ichi the Killer or those other things. I don't know. But, uh... I wouldn't have classed homunculus as being that kind of kazokoike type of trash. I, I think it's probably more uh, serious, I don't know. Or more genuinely serious as opposed to, yeah, this is serious, but, you know, people are pissing in each other's eyes to clean the blood out. Well, on the subject of terrifying things and visuals, um, <laughs> I, I guess I should get on to my segment, but, uh, but first, these messages... Hi, I'm Ichigo. I'm Balto. And we're Anime Pulse. We've got our fingers on the pulse of anime. Do you like anime, but you don't know what to watch? We love anime and watch it all the time. So if you want the true fan's perspective on the latest and greatest from Japan... Rants or just uh, stories about anime... We're the ones to check it out, so check out Anime Pulse at www.anime-pulse.com. Hey, you kids! What are you doing on my line? It's Get all- out of here! Oh, great, it's hey, hey, Run! Alright, and this brings us to the last segment of the show, which will probably start being a slightly recurring feature now that con season is underway. Since we started the show, I've kind of gone insane in terms of <laughs> things I've been saying and the beliefs I've held. I feel like I'm slightly out of date, or out of focus. I don't want to become that crazy old guy, because I'm not that old, even though I probably seem like I am. What I've decided to do is, at the conventions I've been going to, I've taken upon myself to go searching for the truth. The hidden truth. And nothing but the truth. And so, what I've done is this.
When I first started watching anime, I swore to myself to never become one of those people. By those people, I meant the socially inept, emotionally undeveloped fans who frequented online anime discussion areas. Convention loonies. The types of people caricatured in otaku no video, comic party, and genshiken. I vowed never to cross that invisible line, but I have crossed it. Time and time again. I've become the very thing I swore repeatedly never to become. How could this happen when I repeatedly wanted nothing to do with all of these undesirables? I needed a sign. Perhaps that was precisely the reason that without looking into the face of anime fandom, the true face, not the edge of the grill where I reside, I would be doomed to repeat its tragedies. So it was that I vowed that this year would be when I discovered the truth. My quest for the truth started with my trip to Katsukon a few weeks ago. Katsukon is in Washington, D.C., far, far away from the maelstrom of Florida fandom which dominates my con experiences. I carpooled with some friends who decided to go to an anime convention dressed as the decidedly non-anime Team Ziso from The Life Aquatic. The drive was, well, here for yourself. You know, I'm a nice person to you guys. I do nice things for you. You know what I like about nice people? I treat you nicely. They, they realize how much of an ultimate eye that I have. <laughs> the thing is, is even if I acknowledge you having an ultimate eye, you'd still be mean to me. Knows I don't care. I don't listen to what Daryl knows. What do you? What? I thought you listened to the podcast. <laughs> you see, it all works against you. You just have to accept that I have the ultimate eye. I don't have to accept anything. John Teller. I don't care what John says. It's true. I don't know. I don't you know. Where is it? Where is it? It's in his dome. <laughs> I don't believe you. Prove it to me, and then I'll believe you. I've been proving it to you ever since I knew you. No, you haven't. John? Obviously not very efficiently. Oh my god. Obviously you have no sort of eye. Well, you knew that. It's only 11.30. We've only been driving for like 20 minutes. Now imagine that for 14 hours in each direction, and you have the majority of how I spent the weekend. I arrived at Katsukon at 1 p.m. Friday, and the con was already underway. You can tell from the sound alone, which any convention veteran can tell you is constant throughout your stay. After paying a colossally high $50 for a badge, I took to wandering the halls in search of the truth. Some people I met Rob Lance, Lion alum from www.usagichan.com, Mike Tool from www.animejump.com, and Rim from the Geek Nights podcast on the web at www.frontrowcrew.com, were the sorts of people I would fraternize with normally. But, like Kojiro Abe caged within the Mysterian Dome, I had to expand my horizons. Otherwise, I could see my fate in front of me. Notice you got quite a few convention badges on you. How many years have you been going to conventions? I was at the first Otakon back in 94. I've attended every one of those. 
This is about my eighth Katsukon. So now I collect the badges, I save them. This is like half my collection. When did you first start watching uh, Japanese animation? I remember Speed Racer and the early uh, Kimba, the White Lion. At that time, I didn't really realize it was Japanese animation. What would you say are some of your favorite anime titles? I fondly remember the, uh, the Speed Racer and the Kimba, White Lion, Jungle Emperor, I guess they call it. One of my favorites is the Evangelion. Right now, Helsing, I enjoyed uh, Witch Hunter Robin, and uh, XL Saga, just for the, the wackiness. Anime isn't a genre, it's an art form, and it comprises a lot of different elements. One thing I like about it is that there's no real hard edges or margins to what you can have a comedy, horror, science fiction. You can't really pigeonhole a lot of them. I'm always willing to be surprised. I mentioned I've done some interviews at uh, wildviolet.net. Wildviolet.net. Uh, uh, in, in the archives uh, with several of the voice actors and uh, industry people. And uh, Chuck Shandry. Chuck Shandry, all right. The expansion of my horizons begins here. I'm dressed as uh, Leroy Jenkins, probably the biggest idiot in uh, video gaming history. World of Warcraft, totally. What are you looking forward to here at the convention this weekend the most? First time I've had a decent costume, I'm looking to get some pictures taken. Favorite new show? Probably Bleach. An old show for the classics, Transformers, and a, a kind of an uh, in-between Robotech. My later journeys in the weeks to come would show that there are actually several people that seriously think that's still hilarious. But this was my first glimpse at the truth, and I was compelled to sink my hooks in even deeper. Uh, my costume is basically cat ears and a cat tail. The prosthetic arms are because I lost my hands. This is your first convention, you told me? Yeah. First uh, Katsukon ever? First Katsukon ever, first anime, anything. I did a Star Trek convention about six, seven months ago. What's your favorite anime? At the moment, uh, Evangelion. As demonstrated by the preview interview last week, cat people were all over the place. And I've always been of the opinion that they're just gateway furries. In fact, the dealer's room was overflowing with actual furry crap, as was Katsukon itself. This should be good. Describe who you are and what you're dressed as and all that. My name is Stephanie. I go by the name Flash. And right now I'm dressed as the ubiquitous bunny girl who's at every convention. But a lot of people tell me I look like I'm from Final Fantasy Extreme. And how about you? My name is Connie. I go by uh, Neo Anime Girl. I'm just a cat girl. This one took about five minutes to make. Five minutes to make? How long have both of you been costuming for? Six months. Six months? For me. About, well, since I started out Renaissance Festivals, and uh, SEA meetings and things like that. This is just not too much of a stretch from that. What was the first thing you watched that you knew was anime? Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon. Dragon Ball Z Sailor Moon? No, Dragon oh, Ball. Oh, the original Dragon Ball, right, when they ran it on <laughs> Saturday morning. And how about... You have to cover that. You have to cover that. You can't have you walking down the stove. So, uh, either put a, something around your waist. Okay. Please. All right, so to go on, the uh, first thing you watched that you knew was... Go on, she's going to have to cover it up. I'm oh. covering it up. I'm trying to get the cloak. Oh, yeah, I'm just interviewing her. She's got to cover it up. Okay. I am getting the cloak okay, together. Okay, I'm standing right, right here now. until you finish. You can stand right there until I finish. As a matter of fact, you can hold this no, like together. Hold it can you hold this together? No, man, come on, man. Come on. 
Do you read manga? Yes, I do. I started my children on manga, too. Helps with their reading. Well, they like Fruits Baskets, Tenho Tenge right now. My son wants to start the Tenho Tenge manga because he just loves that. How old is your son? Ten years old. Ten-ten for ten-year-olds. Makes sense to me. As with all anime conventions of the last few years, Naruto cosplayers were omnipresent. But this time, I was determined to find out what lay behind the metal headband. I dressed as Sasuke, but then I spiced it up a little and made it shiny, so it's, it was actually a costume mishap, so... Oh, okay, so you're Sasuke from Naruto. Yes. What about you? I'm Naruto from Naruto. How, how about you? And I'm Naruto from Naruto. Oh, okay. Because I'm shiny. She's shiny. And she's shiny. So, you're me. And I'm Fermi. So how'd you decide to come up with the idea for dressing as Naruto? You don't see too many of them around cons, do you? <laughs> Not really. Because like yeah. all the ones here are probably our friends too. Yeah. Oh wow! So is this like your first convention, or you guys go? No, this is my second. This is like my fifth. What's your favorite anime? Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, I like the Slayers. Slayers. <laughs> so old. Slayers like soul. Full Metal Alchemist. Do you consider yourselves otaku? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Make yeah. League otaku here. Huh? Yes. How many years have you guys been into this whole like? Forever and a half. Forever and a half. <laughs> yeah. For me and her, it's probably been about two years. And what of the male Naruto cosplayers? My name's Steve Lancevich. I'm dressed as Gara of the Desert. My arm's five and a half feet long, weighs about 15 pounds. Took a while to construct. Uh, it's made mostly out of foam rubber and latex. I covered it over with a base paint of brown spray paint. And then on top of that, I used a flex stone spray to get the nice little sandy effect. I was working on it for on and off about two, three hours a day for about a week or two. The shirt I actually made myself, I probably just should have bought it from a store. The pants are just store-bought because I lost the ones that I had last year that I had for it. The shoes were a pain in the butt, so I didn't do them. Yeah. I figured everyone's going to look at the arm anyway. Are you, like, wearing this all day today? Uh, yeah. I'm going to be wearing the arm all day today, the costume all day. Other than Naruto, obviously, can you name some uh, anime that you're into? really like Trigun. My favorite series is Berserk. I really want to do the Buster Sword next year that uh, the Berserker does. That's about it. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with the Naruto manga. That's all that I'm really doing right now. Mostly into the um, anime itself, yeah. Okay, how many conventions do you typically go to? Well, I actually proposed to my fiance last year here at Katsukon. Here at Katsukon, uh, you proposed. Did you say yes? Yes. You said fiance, so I'm guessing yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also go to Kineticon every year, so it's basically uh, two or three a year. Tell us more about how you proposed to your fiance at Katsukon. Well, actually, back then I was once again dressed as Gara of the Desert, and uh, instead of the big arm, I had the gourd on me. The gourd I made entirely out of plaster and chicken wire, with the same kind of thing like this, and that weighed over 60 pounds. But, I mean, uh, tell me the, like, the story of how you proposed to her, I mean. Uh, well, um, originally I was going to uh, propose to her during opening ceremonies, but uh, they decided that that would set a bad precedent. I really wanted to do it during the cosplay sketch. What the stopped AMPs. you? I, well, I figured I'd ask the people first, and they were really frowning upon it. Oh, uh, you, you should have just done it, man. I really should have. Yeah. I really should have. Yeah, totally. You, you can always do it again this year. I was actually thinking about doing it during the AMVs this year, yeah. but... Be honest, would you consider yourself to be an otaku? No. All along, I knew where the source of the truth was. But I was too scared to look directly at it. 
for it resided beyond the anime source wall, and looking without the requisite fandom intellect level would render my mind unable to comprehend that which I saw, thus driving me mad in the process. For years I had seen its face from afar, but now it was time to face the source of the truth head on. I'm Megan. I just up. I don't really have a theme. I have a Kakashi theme. I'm from Naruto. I okay. have many Kakashi things. I have a Glompy shirt. Which who gave you that Glompy shirt? I bought it. Who was the, who was the pusher? Huh? Who, who pushed that on you? Where'd you get it from? Oh. Down that way, down yonder. Oh, so you bought it at this convention right yes. here? H how much was that? It was 20 I think. And in your own words, can you tell me what uh, what you're requesting when it says glomp me? Um, people randomly coming and jumping, tackling, and hugging me. Sounds like rape. Yeah. Well, only without. And uh, you, I noticed you have a pin as well. Oh, yeah, it says, I'm looking for a naughty cat boy to adopt. Why naughty cat boys? Well, because if they're innocent, they aren't really useful. Why cat boys? Cat boys are hot. Not just cats or just boys? Well... What's, what what comes together in the cat boy? Well, I find that they're much more agile. Speaking of agility, I notice you've got a, a headband on. Tell us about that. It's the Village and Hidden Leaf symbol for uh, from Naruto, and I have that on my patch. My... So, so are you a, a ninja? Yes, I actually am. Tell us some of your favorite anime. I adore Furuba, or Fruits Basket, Wolf's Rain, Naruto, obviously. I also like Inuyasha, Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, uh, and Gravitation. I also love Gravitation. Oh, so you're into the, the dudes being rude? Yes. What's the appeal? I don't know. It's just it's very hot <laughs> for some reason. Are you of age to be looking at such delinquency? Probably not. Probably not, but, you know. Yes, yes, I... This, this is, this is the real face, the real face of anime, anime fan, 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 fandom, the, the economic and creative backbone from which ideas are generated to appeal to, sustain, and per perpetuate. But I, I am not yet, yet strong, strong enough to, to stare this deeply at, at the, the truth yet. Join join me again next next week and in the week in the weeks to come where, where I, I will delve I will delve deeper into the truth I will I will recover from this and and I will be back uh, to to find out more go to to animeworldorder.com and look at look at our show notes see the 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 pictures of all these people that I have taken and and you too shall shall know the the, the truth. <sighs> And that's it for this episode. Be sure to come back and listen next week when Daryl gives us more of his quest for the truth. Can't wait. Gerald talks about the overlooked anime Zapang. Oh, yeah. And I'll go ahead and talk about Gravitation since a couple people asked about it. Lots lots and lots of people. Actually, it's just one guy asking repeatedly. But I don't know. <laughs> I just like how the secret to talking about Gravitation is to never mention that there's gay people in it. It just... That's the secret to getting people to trick them into watching it. It's a romance. It's a romantic comedy about a band. <laughs> and remember to check out our show notes at AnimeWorldOrder.com for photos and more information about all the crap that we now...
better on them out. Yeah, you'll and... want to see the photos for this episode because <laughs> otherwise you won't know what I was see talking See the cool about. people that, that Daryl talks to at, at these conventions. Feel free to contact us once again by emailing us at animeworldorder at gmail.com or calling us at 206-666-4AWO. Hail Satan? Yeah. Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> You're so enthusiastic about that, Gerald. Satan is dissatisfied with your homage there. So Fine. you need to work harder. <laughs> Cut off the head and two shall grow in its place. Hail wait, not sorry. <laughs> Play the music, we're done here. <laughs> yes.